Welcome to The Drive. I'm Dale Lolly. He is Matt Williamson. And Matt, it is a Wednesday. We got some snow Tuesday night in Pittsburgh. It's all starting to melt off here, though. It's a nice way to welcome the Tennessee Titans to town. Yeah, short week. You turn around, come to our tough, chilly city after a <laughs> lovely Halloween. <laughs> Hope everyone had a happy and safe Halloween. We had a bunch of people here. I was busy doing podcasts. I wasn't the slightest bit festive, but then you wake up and there's a little bit of snow on the ground. So times are changing. Let's go. Yeah, let's get it on here. And uh, just uh, looking at this uh, this Titans team, well, first of all, let's talk about this. Because overnight, the Las Vegas Raiders fire not only their head coach, but their general manager. Yeah, made a quarterback change, too. While they're and made a quarterback change. And actually, there's a quarterback change in Atlanta as well. So lots of stuff going on around the league. Yeah, and trade deadline was yesterday, and things are happening. I think you know you're basically, as you mentioned yesterday, about halfway through the season. You got a pretty good idea if you're in it or not. I actually expected more deals at the trade deadline. Teams like Denver were quiet, which shocked me. I hope they don't think they're in it. Um, but the Raiders, to me, are a big deal. And same with this Atlanta move. I mean, we've talked about Ritter some, but maybe not enough on here. And I think you can correlate it to some degree to Pickett. You know, like Ritter, I'm a, I, I would much rather Pickett. Don't get me wrong. But Ritter doesn't make nearly enough big plays to be mistake prone. And he is losing his team games. You know, you and I often talk about there's a difference between going out and winning a game or going out and not losing it. And the Steelers are more in the not lose it mold. Well, the Falcons have to be as well as many teams are. And Ritter's out there losing them games. Yeah, and that's, you know, the... the as many criticisms as there are out there of Kenny Pickett, and many of them are, are warranted, sure. um, you know, passing up some throws and things of that nature, he's not turning the ball over. Yeah. And that is allowing his team a chance to win each week. Exactly. I mean, he's not making bonehead plays. The fumbles with Ritter are unbelievable. 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 And he's – I mean, his – I saw this today too. His sack rate, you know, like when he's pressured, he gets sacked. You know, like he's not, he's just accepting his fate and not getting rid of the ball and making those kind of mistakes. You often talk about quarterback fumbles. I mean, he's as bad as anyone right now with that. Yeah. And so, you know, again, I, I, I it's a fine line to walk for young quarterbacks because you yes. want them to make plays. I mean, Sam Howell's making plays down the field, but he's also taking a ridiculous number of sacks and he's turning the ball mm -hmm. over. Yeah. Like you, you kind of have to balance that. Do you want to try? Are you trying? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to accomplish by playing mm -hmm. the young quarterback? Are you trying to develop him right now? And, or are you, are you trying to win football games? And I think the Steelers are trying to balance that right now. I think they are, and I think more so than some teams, you know, maybe the Bears of Fields comes to mind. Right, right. That, you know, if you're – if you, I think more than some teams, the Steelers are trying to win now. You know, like, Kenny, maybe this isn't the best, best thing for your long-term development to be job number one is not turning the ball over. But in the meantime, if you learn how to win and we get into playoffs and win more games than we lose – that's what's best for the organization, you know, where they might tell Justin Fields, I'm not saying they're saying this, but hey, Justin, we just want you to learn. If you make mistakes on the fly, so be it. We don't think we're going to win a whole lot of games either way this year, you know? Right, right. 
Um, you know, I, I think if you gave some people within the organization some truth serum, um, you know, there was, well, the, the Steelers are, are holding Kenny Pickett back. Yeah, winning, I don't quite go that way. They're winning games here, and they're allowing him, when the game is on the line, to go out and play. Mm-hmm. I mean, were the Steelers holding Ben back in his first couple of years? Were the Patriots holding Brady back in his first couple of years? You know, I mean, they were not the focal points of their offense. And I'm right. not saying Kenny's going to turn in the next Hall of Famer or win, you know, more rings than he can fit on one hand like Tom Brady. But this has been going on since the end of since the beginning of time of NFL. Yeah, I mean, you you know, you again, you got to balance the winning with, uh, you know, not losing it. And in mm-hmm. and, and the development, uh, you know, I, I look at Pickett's stats this year. Um, he hasn't thrown an interception. He's thrown one interception since week two. Wow. He hasn't fumbled all year long. So he all has one. That's I didn't realize that. So he has one turnover this year. Since since week two. Since, since week two. OK, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He had three in the first two games, two mm-hmm. against two against the 49ers, one against Cleveland. And hasn't turned, and that that interception against Cleveland, if you remember, was early in that game. So I mean, he's got a lot of quarters without turning the ball over. I, I just wonder if they came into the season and said, "Okay, Kenny, we're, you know, you played really well in the, you know, you, this is year two. You played really well in the in the preseason. Go out there against the 49ers, let it fly. Okay, that was against the 49ers. It didn't, didn't work. Go out there against the, the the Browns here and let it fly. He throws mm-hmm. an inter- interception early, and then all of a sudden you go, okay." Let's go back to last year's formula. You take, yeah, 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 yeah. Take care of the football here. Don't, let, let's see you value the football. Now, you can do both. Of course. You know, Aaron, Rod- both, Aaron right? Rodgers has done both his entire career. Like, he has been a low turnover guy, but he'll make some risky throws. But I and, think- and, Dale, I know you know this, but I haven't said it for a while on here. And since the bye last year, Kenny was at the top of the league in – Big-time throws for PFF, as well as turnover-worthy plays. I mean, he was, like, the best top five in both categories. So he's shown that he can do both. I mean, because it wasn't like he didn't lead people back from comebacks or whatever last year while he wasn't turning the ball over. I mean, he wasn't just dirting the ball and spiking in the ground. I mean, he was still being aggressive downfield with it, and especially when it was warranted in the games. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I think, you're, you know, you balance those things out uh, mm-hmm. And you try to win games. Um, that's what wasn't happening. Ritter, the, the Falcons are four, Ritter, four yeah. but Ritter has been a reason why, directly why they have lost. He, uh, he cost them that game last week. Yes, he kept. Putting, I mean, kept putting the ball on the ground. Like again, I don't think either one of us is saying Kenny's a great player. He should be a Pro Bowler this year or anything like that. But I can promise you, the Falcons would probably be sitting at six and two with Pickett instead of Ritter. Yeah. I mean, let alone uh, Cousins, you know, a a professional, been around the block, you know, been there, done it, playmaking quarterback. Which is why they're they're switching to Taylor Heineke. They're looking at just going, we're in first place in our division. We've got a chance to to do something here. We just can't turn the ball over like crazy at the quarterback position. And, oh, by the way, we just lost maybe our best defensive player last week. Yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, red zone fumbles, bad situational football. Maybe you can live with that if you're getting Mahomes, Brett Favre, like big plays. Yeah, you know, right, right. right. <laughs> you know, Ritter, Pickett, et cetera, et cetera, aren't providing that. You know, so 
Therefore, you can't hurt us, you know, and he was hurting the Falcons. He was hurting the Falcons. Josh McDaniels was hurting the Raiders. Yes. And Jimmy was terrible. And yes, they they both of those guys made the decision in the offseason to move on from Derek Carr, who had been Mm -hmm. pretty good for the Raiders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Move on from him and go to Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's been bad for both camps. Carr hasn't been the same for New Orleans. Mm-hmm. The Raiders weren't the same with Garoppolo quarterback. And now no. the coach, coach and general manager have gotten fired. So I have a couple theories, big picture Raiders-esque, that aren't, don't paint them in a great light, but I think they've earned that. So I have tremendous respect for Al Davis, who I know is hated here by generations and biggest steel arrival ever, blah, blah, blah. I think he's a tremendous football mind and not just an owner, you know, doesn't know what he's talking about. But frankly, the last 10 years, maybe more of the Al Davis reign were pretty awful. <laughs> I mean, were pretty yeah, bad. Right. I mean, they really were. He lost his fastball. He got up in age. And I don't know if his son certainly is not the young version of Al Davis, but did, as we all do from our fathers and parents, did he learn end of Al stuff as an owner, as opposed to early Al stuff, you know, I mean, who knows, but the whole Mark Davis reign has not been good either. And so I think things have to start at the top when you're that bad for that long. And I think it's pretty obvious with the Raiders that the ownership has held them back. Now, I also think, Two off-seasons ago, not this past one, where, where you, you referenced the car move. Two off-seasons ago, they had had to have a come-to-Jesus meeting of, are we good or is it rebuild time? And they pushed all their chips in the middle, Vegas reference, and said, let's go trade for Devontae Adams. We can hang with Mahomes and Herbert and Allen. And that was a huge mistake. I think all of us saw it coming that – Pushing your chips in to win now that offseason is not going to pay off for you. And well, now they're paying. Yeah. So they were they were coming off a playoff year under and Rich Bystek had been there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're they're you know kind of an interim, interim head coach. And they won with him. Yes. Post Gruden with all Post Gruden stuff. You know, right, right. And then they decided to go hire Josh McDaniels. And, and, and of course he's going to try to to build. New England Patriots, West, the West, <laughs> right, yeah. right. Josh Meyer and and Buffalo I think I, I think we're finding out now, Matt, that so much of what the Patriots' success was over the years was Tom Brady driven. Yeah, or it's just not replicable. You it know, just that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and or all the above. You know, they, they had the perfect storm in New England. They had a glorious run, just grabbing people from that organization, coaches or players, doesn't make you the two thousand Pats. And it's not the first time that that's happened in league history. It happened oh, with over it happened over. with Lombardi. It's happened over and over and over that yeah, the, yeah. you know when people talk about coaching trees, I, I, the best coaching tree in, in league history might be that of of, of Marty Schottenheimer, mm-hmm. and Schottenheimer's you know he, he's never going to make even someday he'll probably make the Hall of Fame, but when people but talk about He's not considered Belichick. He's not considered Noel, Chuck Noll. He's Walsh, not considered right, yeah. yeah, none of those guys. Right, right. But he's he, a borderline Hall of Famer, you know. Right? But he produced a lot of assistant coaches that went out and won a lot of games and won Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. 
Belichick hasn't done that. Not at all. And, and it's funny, we had this conversation on my podcast today, and Peacock, my my uh, cohort, he's like, other than Vrabel, I'm like, I don't think Vrabel, Vrabel was doesn't never, count. He was never on Bill's staff. You know, he no. learned a lot from him, but they were never coaches on the same staff. Not the same. It's not the same. Like, counting, no. count, if you're going to count Vrabel, then, you know, people were, people didn't want to, well, you know, uh, Byron Leftwich with Mike Tomlin. The people didn't want to say well, Byron Leftwich learned under Mike Tomlin. No, that's not worked out. But you understand what I'm saying. Just because yeah, they yeah, yeah. played for somebody doesn't make them part of their coaching tree. Yeah, they were not on the same coaching staff, contrary to popular belief, Vrabel and Belichick. You know, so no, that doesn't <laughs> count. And everybody else has been a failure. Now, we referenced Gruden a little bit because I think him and Mayock also deserve their blame because – Listen to this. I mean, this is bonkers to me. You know, in so what year was it? They drafted Amari Cooper in the first round with the fourth pick overall in 2015. The year before that, they drafted Khalil Mack. Well, Gruden gets there and decides those two have to go. We're trading them for first round picks galore. You know, Cooper goes, goes, Mack goes. And these are their first round picks since drafting Amari Cooper. Carl Carl Joseph, Gary and Conley, Colton Miller, that's the one success, Cleveland Farrell, Josh Jacobs, who's a success, but finding a running back's not that hard, Jonathan Abram, Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, Alex Leatherwood, and now Tyree Wilson, who's done nothing this rookie year. Like, you couldn't use first-round picks any worse than that, and you had a ton of them. That's why you are where you are. Right. I mean, it, it, it's it's all about the picks. I mean, you can't blow them like that. And well, those guys aren't even in the league. Right. And one, one's in jail. <laughs> well, I mean, that <laughs> I one, mean, yeah, yeah, that one is Probably what it is. Coming. Right. Right. Yeah. But uh, immediately this morning when I get up, Steelers should hire Josh McDaniels as their offensive coordinator. Come on, people. You mean like right now? Like they should bring him in as a, an offensive guru to, and, and, you know, okay. potential coordinator down the road. What has he done in his career without Tom Brady? I say, Joe, have you been watching the Raiders offense lately? I mean, it's not pretty. They they scored 20 points once this year. Really? Once. And, and with Devontae all Adams. Is with all those, they got the, the league's returning leading rusher. They got Devontae Adams. They go out, they get yeah. Jacoby Brissett. They change quarterbacks because that's the guy they wanted. Mm-hmm. And the offense can't score 20 points. No, and it was an ugly showing on both sides of the ball against the Lions on Monday night for the whole world to see. Bad. Yeah. So, bad, bad, bad. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not on board with that. Um, let, let, let Belichick hire him back, and they can go up there and <laughs> yeah. they can both be – Try to get man- that – Elusive 319th win. It might be happen four years from now. They could join forces in with the commanders or something. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, we got to get to a break, yeah. Matt, and we'll talk uh, more Steelers uh, here in the next segment. Uh, he is Matt Williamson. I am Dale Lally. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome back. I'm Dale Lally. He is Matt Williamson, and this is The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio. And, Matt, you know, I... I, I uh, yeah, and watch that that uh, game between the uh, Titans and Atlanta last week. And all I came oh, away, yeah, yeah. all I came away with was that man was was Ritter bad. Mm-hmm. 
Now, that being said, you know, they did some good things offensively with the young quarterback. Yeah. No, I'm talking about with Will Levis. Oh, okay. Yeah, they did. They gave him some easy, they gave him some easy throws. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he took his, he took shots downfield. They used a lot of play action. The interesting thing to me is that the Tennessee Titans are dead last in pre-snap motion in the NFL. Are they dead last? Yeah. Like they so, were the total off. Yeah, yeah. The the Steelers play a a, a, a large portion of man defense. They, they play man defense. Uh, 42.9% of the time, which is the fourth most in the league. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, you know, why wouldn't you, you know, in this game, would, if you're the Titans, would you use more motion to try to get him some pre-snap reads? But, but if you, Levis can handle but that's, it. But that's not what you do. Right, right, right. That, that's a good question. Uh, maybe, uh, I mean, I think you could scheme things up and – bunch guys together or you know use motion like you said and rub routes and man beater stuff that would make some sense what's hard to answer about that question is the answer to the question is whatever will levis is comfortable with if he's comfortable with play action if he's comfortable in he's played so little right I mean, that's a, a picket or even a ritter we can do things that they can learn to get better at where Levis at this point, especially on a short week, I mean, on a super short week, Will, what do you like? And we're going to do that, you know, yeah. which I don't it's, think we know. So here are the stats on the Titans. Mm-hmm. They are 30th in the league in shotgun percentage. 54.8% okay. of the time they, they line up in shotgun. I don't, and I don't know what the numbers are. You know, I didn't go back and chart it to see if that was vastly different last week with Levis. Because uh, he, that I don't know. He's coming from Kentucky, which runs a pretty spread offense. Yeah, yeah, as almost all colleges do. I mean, learning to go under centers usually a chore for rookie quarterbacks. Yeah, so, I would imagine they're under center a lot because they're so play action heavy. Yeah, because they they go play action thirty point three percent of the time, which is the second highest rate in the league. Mm-hmm. Now the Steelers are they they play use play action thirteen point five percent of the time, which is thirtieth. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the exact opposite there. You got the the Steelers in the shotgun seventy four point eight percent of the time, which is ninth highest in the league. Whereas again, the the, uh, the Titans are fifty four point eight percent. Twenty percent difference is is a is a massive difference there. It's a huge deal, yeah. But the league average, the Steelers really aren't that far off the league average in terms of that. But if you look at it, like. So the league average in shotgun is sixty-seven point eight percent. So the Steelers okay. are the Steelers are closest closer to average than Tennessee is. Tennessee's more the anomaly here. They're the anomaly. The same thing yeah. under center. Under center, the Steelers are under center twenty-three point five percent of the time. The league average is twenty-six point six. It's like two the, plays a game. Yeah, the the Titans are under center thirty-six point five percent of the time. So it's yeah. ten percentage points off. Yes. And now I assume, I don't know this, but I bet Atlanta is also high in all these Tennessee things because they took Tennessee's offense coordinator, made him their head coach. And I think that's a big Tannehill thing. It's a big Henry thing, you know, that we are going to, and I don't think coincidentally 
over the last week or so, they've gone back to Henry more. You know, he's getting a lot of touches. Right. Caught like four balls, which is a ton for him. That we're going to old school, big back, play action off that, run after the catch. They trying to replicate A.J. Brown. They never should have let him go, but they want Burks to be that guy. So I think that's who they've been really during the Vrabel era, no matter who the offensive coordinator is. And it's mostly worked. Like, I mean, Tannehill had some good years, and no one thinks he's, you know, Josh Allen or, you know, Herbert in terms right. of Allen. So they do do a good job helping their quarterback. And I thought in Levis's first game, as you mentioned the start segment, they definitely did some good things to help him. You know, just a lot of easy completions behind the line of scrimmage. When you're going to throw bombs and be aggressive, which they did a lot. It was usually second and short or first down. Yes. And it was the Hopkins. You know, like, right. Throw it to your best guy. Yeah. yeah. Throw it yeah, to yeah, your yeah. best yeah. guy. Who's great in contested situations. And at a minimum, he'll probably not allow bad things to happen. And sometimes yeah, he'll break, he's come down with it. He'll, yeah. he'll break it up if it, you know, if it's. Yeah. You know, if there's, you know, it's a 50-50 ball and he's not going to catch it, he'll try to break it up at least. So um, I expect a lot more of the same on Thursday night. Yeah, I do too. Um, you know, they they really haven't had time to, to do anything else. Mm-mm. And it worked. And Levis, everyone's talking about, you know, he's doing well. It's a good first start. It's a good first start. That being said, I just tweeted this out a little while ago. The Steelers against rookie quarterbacks at home, Mm-hmm. One in, uh they're they're fifteen and one. Wow, under Tomlin in the last twenty in the last twenty years. Oh, okay. Uh, so, but I'm I'm looking here at their target rate uh, shares last week. So, Hopkins got had six targets. Shagun mm-hmm. Kwonkwo had six targets. Henry and Spears had four targets each, which is a lot for Henry. It's a lot, a, a heck of a lot. That is. Westbrook Akinne had two targets. Kyle Phillips had three targets. Traylon Burks had three, two targets. I mean, yeah. it, this is really a pass funnel here now. It is. And what was strange to me, and I don't really have a, an understanding of why, is you probably saw this in my packet, that they used Hopkins, Burks, Westbrook Akinne, Chris Moore, and Kyle Phillips, five different wide receivers, on a team that never goes four wide and rarely goes three wide, all those guys played between eighteen and forty-three snaps out of a possible sixty-eight. Well, like, I think they're, I think they're, they're kind of trying to make things comfortable for the young quarterback. Yeah, because that's what because he didn't he didn't play much in a preseason. I don't know if he played at all. Did he? He got hurt, didn't he? That I'm not sure. I mean, I knew he couldn't beat out Willis, but I, I maybe thought, I, I thought he missed some time in the preseason. I, that rings a bell. I should know that off the top of my head. But it's weird to have five guys at receiver rotate that much for only two spots more often than not. I do think they're trying to bring Burks back slow. And maybe as you were saying that, maybe he knows more in Phillips and the second teamers better than he knows the first teamers. You know what I mean? From practicing with those guys all the time. I don't know. Okay. He did play uh, some in the preseason. Did he? I'm just looking here at the. The preseason stat. He played. He he played one game, and then okay. he got hurt. He then in he that game hurt. he was nine for fourteen, uh, for eighty five yards. Um, you know, so really not. I know he wasn't didn't a stand ton out. of experience. He threw twenty nine passes last week. So you're talking about a guy here who's thrown forty three passes 
about half of them in the preseason. Not yeah, fourteen of them came in the preseason when he was playing against dudes that aren't in the league right now. Yeah, and even that Atlanta game. Again, I didn't study every coverage tendency the Falcons threw at him, but they lost their best pass rusher in, in Garrett or Jarrett, maybe their best defensive lineman or maybe their best defensive player, and they played a lot of pretty vanilla zones you know like right i don't think they stressed him mentally all that much you know they didn't and they don't rush the passer real well no i think they got to him once or i mean he wasn't you know yeah you're 100 percent right despite despite being yeah go ahead despite being a team that doesn't they don't blitz a lot they don't bring a lot of pressure they were able to pressure him quite a bit they only got to him twice yeah but he was under pressure a lot and so yeah which is a very high number and some of them because he's dropping back and throwing bombs. I just think the Steelers are a much, much stiffer challenge for the second-year quarterback on the road, short week, than what Atlanta threw at. Well, especially since you're talking about a team that plays – like if you're playing a team that only plays man 20% of the time, mm-hmm. okay, you don't, you don't need to do a lot of sh- – you know, okay, we're going we're gonna to assume that they're in zone here. Maybe we have one man beater out there, and if it's not there, we'll just dump it off. If you're playing a team that's playing a lot of man or plays 50-50 or close to it, the Steelers don't – nobody plays 50-50. But sure, the Steelers, sure. The Steelers are 60-40 zone to man, which is a high rate in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You're not doing the kid any favors if you don't have any pre-snap motion. No, back to your original point. You're probably right. Yeah, I, I think like he's he's going to be guessing, guessing out there whether they're in man or zone. And the Steelers yeah. also play a lot of matchup zone, even when they're mm-hmm. not playing man. And so – uh, it, it, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I think they've bait him into some mistakes here, and uh, I think you I know, tend to agree. You'd love to think for it, but still, I mean, K, KZ shown over, over the course of his career, he'll take the ball away. Yeah, Patrick, yeah. Patrick Peterson will take the ball away. They get guys oh, who yeah. can I'm catch the football. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, so I, I think he he'll make some mistakes out there, and, and uh, the Steelers got to make him pay when that happens. I also think it's kind of underreported the Chris Hubbard injury for them. I was about to go to the protection. You know, we mentioned that he was pressured on 44% of his snaps, which is a very high number. But, I mean, they're getting sacked on 11% of their dropbacks. I mean, only the Giants are worse. I mean, that's Washington level. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's- and, and that is one of the things, one of the problems that you have with play action. Because they, it, yeah. it does take a second longer for things to develop. Mm-hmm. And by the time he, by the time you make that play action fake, take your nine step drop or five step drop, or whatever, you're, <laughs> whatever you're, or whatever you're, you know, you're doing there, the pressure's there. If they if you got good edge rushers coming off the edge, yeah, they're going to get there. And you mentioned that you sent me a text earlier today. Dillard's numbers are terrible at oh. tackle. I mean, Skoronsky's really their only keeper on this O line long term. I mean, it's you and I thought it was the worst line in the league on opening day. Maybe it's slightly better than that, considering some of the the lines floating around like the Giants. But it's a bottom five line for sure. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be under duress a lot in this game. I don't know how Me they too. block T.J. Watt. Yes, I, I mean, either of the edge guys, right? Well, either the, I think I think Alex Highsmith could be because if they if they do what everybody else has done and devote a lot of attention to T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith mm-hmm. is going to get home. Him against Dillard is a nightmare for them. Yeah. I don't yeah. know, and Highsmith actually leads the Steelers in pressures with nineteen. He's one of the he's one of the highest pressure guys in the league. 
Yeah, he's not. You yes, know, he's should. not cons- consistently gotten home as much as you. You know, maybe you'd like, but he's gonna he's gonna get there in this one. It could with some of the, with with the long developing plays and a bad left tackle. That is not a good uh, recipe for success. So we know that Levis took a lot of deep shots, and I'm sure a lot of them were off play action. I'm certain they were. Yeah. But even for the season, no matter who their quarterback has been, their average depth of target as a collective passing game is 9.7 yards downfield, which is the highest in the league. I mean, you wouldn't think of that as, boy, they're bombs away. And they do use extra fullbacks and tight ends, and they'll definitely keep those guys in. But, man, I don't love that strategy if I'm Tennessee. You know, just – so much deep stuff, and I don't know how you're going to get the edge guys blocked. No, I, I, I would go Steelers over four sacks in this game, four sacks or more. I think, yeah, they, I think I they get there quite a bit. And, you know, if you can do that, he's going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. He's going to make mistakes in Pittsburgh in a primetime game. Like, yeah, I, on the I, road, short week, just short played week. a game. It all yeah. sets up very badly for, for young uh, Will Levis. I tend to agree. I mean, might he hit a, a deep shot or two? He might. He'll probably complete a lot of the behind-the-line of scrimmage stuff. Sure. I mean, that, as most quarterbacks should. But if you can get him to not trust his eyes, th- throw th- stuff at him he hasn't seen, pat that ball a second longer, I think it's disaster considering who is blocking for him. Yeah. Uh, conversely, I think the Steelers should be able to throw the ball against these guys. I've said this a couple times this year that it'll be alarming if they don't. I mean, they should have success throwing the football. The numbers this team allows to perimeter receivers is really bad. Deontay and Pickens are always on the perimeter. They don't have, I mean, just the eyeball test. They don't have corners that can hang with either one of those guys. I think their pass rush is good. It's a four-man rush. They'll, they'll drop seven a lot. They don't blitz. But they don't blitz. They don't blitz. I mean, I don't think their linebackers or safeties are great in coverage. Byard's gone. Could there be some communication errors, let alone a, a step down and play? I think the Steelers have to throw the ball with success. And if they don't, that's alarming to me. Yeah. Um, they play the uh, – 45% of the time they're in uh, split safety. Hmm. Um, you know, so again, I think this is another Deontay Johnson game. Yeah, I tend I think, to agree. I think he feasts on this one. I tend to agree. And eight yard gains, 15 yard gains, you know, I mean, not necessarily does have to hit the home run over the top, but just catch the football once thrown to you and, you know, make good decisions, get it out on time. I think you should have success for the air. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, running is going to be difficult. I mean, if you look at their, uh, run defense, it's yeah. it's it's been pretty solid all all year long. That's a traditional variable thing, um, yeah. but you know they're they're EPA in terms of passing, they're twenty sixth in the league. Defense, yeah, yeah. The Steelers, exactly. by the way, Steelers, by the way, are tenth in EPA passing in pass defense. defense. Yeah, as, yeah. as bad as things have looked at times, um, mm-hmm. and they've given up some plays, they're still tenth. Yeah, not so bad. And, no, you know, sacks and takeaways all factor into that, too, which they should. I mean, that's defending the pass. Absolutely. We're going to get to another break. He is Matt Williamson. I am Dale Lally. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. We'll be back with more right after this. 
Welcome back. I am Dale Lally. He is the Matt Williamson. And uh, Steeler fans, you can gear up with the latest sideline apparel, hats, or jerseys of your favorite players, authentic memorabilia, custom items, and exclusives you can only find directly from the team at one of the official Steelers Pro Shops. They're located at Acrisure Stadium, Grove City Premium Outlets, or Tanger Outlets, or visit online at shop.steelers.com. Matt, we were talking a lot about this particular game. Of course, the uh, Steelers and the Tennessee Titans. That will be uh, Thursday night, a big Thursday night game for both of these teams. Uh, 8-15 kickoff here. Uh, The Steelers looking at the rest of the schedule here. If they can get the win Hmm. here in this one and win the next one against Green Bay at home, which, I mean. They're terrible, by the way. They're playing really poorly. Yeah. Then you have back-to-back games at Cleveland, at Cincinnati. But if you win these next two, you're six and three. Oh, that's. Huge. I mean, I, I feel like you almost have to get these two because yeah, things they, are gets a little rough after that. Yeah. Well, then you so you, then you play at Cleveland, at Cincinnati. Then you come back home. You've got Arizona, New England, Indianapolis. Yeah, I guess I spoke too soon. And the but the last three are rough. And then after that, it's Cincinnati at uh, Cincinnati at home, at Seattle, at Baltimore. So uh, I'm looking at this schedule and you have to have these next two there's no doubt about that if you could steal one of the games in the state of ohio now you're playing with house you're playing with house money here because you should beat arizona you should beat new england and i know indianapolis is playing well or better Mm -hmm. yeah they're not not winning those games yeah they're they're not winning some of these games yeah uh but getting cam hayward back would be huge Huge. I mean, get him for Green Bay, and I mean, I'm just thinking about those Cleveland and Cincy games in particular. Like now, you key. now your pass rush is back to what it's supposed to be, mm-hmm. and the run stuffing and just the the ripple effect. Like I've been really impressed with two guys. I think they've outkicked their coverage are Armani Watts and Montrevis Adams, and if they can still play at that level, but you ask them to play. 40% less or whatever, or Ogan Joby in particular to me is more of a fast starter, not a marathon runner. You know, yeah, like if, if he, could, if he plays five to 10 fewer snaps per game. Yeah. And, and Adams like, and Adams is playing five to 10 fewer snaps per game, but you can keep, yeah. but you, you keep a, a, a guy, you know, the, the Marvin Leal's and Benton. the Keanu Benton's at the same level, at the same number of snaps that they're playing now. And then you, mm-hmm. help, you you kind of fold Cam Hayward into that. Now you've got something there. You really got something, right? And I don't think that group's been horrible without him. Again, Adams and Watts and some of those guys have stepped up nicely to be better than I expected. But now you throw the straw that serves a drink in type of guy, you know, then there's just a huge ripple effect. And frankly, if we're going to make our picks today. I'm leaning strongly to taking the Steelers in this game. I'll be shocked if a week from now, next Friday, I don't take the Steelers at home against Green Bay. Just the way the Packers are playing. I don't know if I'd pick them against anybody. But at Cleveland, at Cincy, is a whole different ballgame. You know, I'm not going to start picking games a month away from now. But Right, we don't know what's going to happen, yeah. Yeah, right, right. Who knows? Will Minka be back? I mean, who, we don't who know who's going to be quarterbacking the Browns at that point. No, of course. But, boy, I'm pretty certain Hayward will be there for those. That's right. gigantic. That's yeah. massive to have him down yeah. the stretch. Not only do you have him down the stretch, but he's going to be feeling better 
down the stretch than he's probably felt in a long time. Going you would think the second half of a season. Yeah, I mean the wear and tear on his body is tremendous throughout the season, and like everyone, he gets nicks and dinged up, and all these little words that we just throw around. Oh, he got dinged up. Well, <laughs> he has a bruise the size of Idaho on his thigh or whatever. You know, if, if we were that quote dinged up, I wouldn't be able to do a podcast. You know, <laughs> so you got to think ninety five percent of his body feels much fresher the day after Halloween than it usually does. And not only that, but he's going to be playing against offensive linemen who are nicked up. Yeah. And are they going to be yeah. ready to handle, you know, his his straight stiff arm move to just drive guards his and power tackles, the yeah. power, the straight power. The only other guy that rivals that in terms of this, this particular move, we're going to see him this week. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he's going down the middle of a guy. Jeffrey Simmons is a very similar player. He is. Cam Hayward. Really, really powerful with the similar heavy but light feet, you know, super heavy hands, just born with a lot of strength, grown man strength, country strength, whatever you want to say. But, uh, yeah, he's a handful. But you're right. They have some similarities for sure. And so I I just think getting Cam Hayward back here for this second half, the, the back half of this season, is going to be just a huge boost for this team. Hundred percent agree because they they haven't been able to rush the pass. They haven't been able to rush the passer the way like teams have. It's been too easy for opposing teams to negate what the outside linebackers do because you don't have a Cam Hayward in the middle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he makes you change everything in terms of protect, protection schemes. Not that teams have had great success dealing with Watt and Highsmith, but. It is different when you have the interior guy to match, to mix with it. Now, that doesn't mean that, like, you know, Liao or Benton or these guys don't develop, maybe not into a cam-level player. They've both shown flashes of some ability, mm-hmm. you know, to rush the passer and things of that nature. Adams has done a nice job. Uh, Ogunjobi has done a nice job, and you know, with that kind of stuff. But the consistency level of Cam Hayward. Yes, yes, yes. Being yes. able to just, okay, if you're going to put one guy on me, I'm going to take him and walk him back into the quarterback. Week after week, play after play, season after season. I mean, that's has unreal value. I do think Benton, I'm not saying he's going to be Cam Hayward, but I think Benton can be a above-average starting defensive tackle, if not better than that. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that's uh, – that's, That's something promising. here. Yeah. You it's get him back. To. You get him back. You get Minka Fitzpatrick back here. Uh, they haven't done anything with Minka yet. So, I, you know, it, that looks promising that he's not going to miss a long term. This isn't going to be an injury that keeps him out, you know, the next three or four games. Um, you know, maybe even Green Bay. Who knows? Yeah. We, we just haven't seen the Steelers defense as they hoped it would be. We saw for about a quarter. Mm-hmm. A quarter against San Francisco. About a quarter, right, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I know you're right. I mean, Hayward is a massive, massive addition. And there'll be some things that go haywire. A couple guys will probably get hurt this game or, you know, who knows. But um, they do have a long break after this as well. But I am interested to see. And I also think the secondary is starting to shake out a little bit. Well, not, only, not only that, but the, no, the right. secondary, but the inside linebackers – Better than expected. Are starting to uh, are really starting to make impact plays here, and we again we didn't have that that first the first quarter of the season against the San Francisco 49ers when they had 
their entire defense out there. The inside linebackers weren't playing then how they're playing now. Well said. Yeah. I mean, that was a tough first test, as tough as you get. But still, they've gotten better. I feel like almost on a game-by-game basis. You know, I mean, that unit seems to keep taking a small step forward every week, which is a huge accomplishment over, what, eight-week period or whatever? I mean, that's not easy to do. Right. And so, I mean, I think they're going to be critical in this game. Critical, critical. Against a team that runs so much play action, against a team that has Derrick Henry, your inside linebackers have to be on top of their game in this one. Yeah, and we didn't see a ton of it against the Falcons, but they're nuts if they don't try to use Chig like the uh, Jags used Engram too. Yeah, you know, you know, over the middle of the field and that type of thing, crossing routes. You know, they they will be insane not to use that. Well, that was one thing you know Terrell Austin talked about yesterday. He was asked, you know, if because after Minka goes out was really when they started attacking that particular matchup. Mm-hmm. The, the uh um the the jaguars um you you can't if you're the steelers i mean you get those guys practice time together and they they do that and you know those kind of things yeah 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 but you don't i mean you come up with a game plan for a week and then you lose Minka fitzpatrick it changes everything oh. that you're doing it changes everything you're doing and i've used this example a lot i wrote an article about this week like you know, he puts out fires, but he also just provides stability. You know he's going to do his job, you know. And if Engram starts to get hot, well, who do you think would have been, would have been on Engram for the whole fourth quarter? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, obviously. Yeah. I mean, obviously. And that doesn't – and probably, almost certainly, would have limited some of that production. Yeah. Now I think you start to – maybe he used Patrick Peterson to do some of those type of things. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, I mean, he has the head for it. He's not as explosive or as physically impressive as Minka at this stage of his career. But he could run but, with the, he could run with the Chiga Quanquo and, and. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Know. 100%. You know, I, I don't want him out there running against Jamar Chase all the time, but I'll take him against a tight end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think he's physical enough to handle that or. You know, a lot of these slot corners, corners get boxed out by a giant tight end. I don't think Peterson will, you know I mean? Just get out physical, just not be able to get the rebound. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was one thing, um, you know, watching that game last week. Uh, some of Will Levis's ball placement. Not his specialty. Not his specialty. You know, even some of those no. throws behind the line of scrimmage yeah. might have been, yeah, if he throws the ball where he's supposed to throw it, they probably turned into better gains than what they were. But he didn't. He's throwing it behind right, the receiver right. and things of that nature. The first touchdown pass that he throws down the, the field to DeAndre Hopkins, he throws it to the ins- to the to the hash mark instead of down the sidelines. Yeah, like, I mean, you got one of the best ball adjuster, ball skills, uh, body control receivers in the league that bailed out some bad throws. You know, yeah. I mean, they weren't you know, they weren't great throws. I mean, they end up being touchdowns, but not everyone hauls all those in. Yeah, right, right. You so. Know? Um, you know, if, if if you're playing man coverage here and your your safeties are sitting, you know, you've got your safety sitting back there in center field and he's correctly reading the quarterback, um, you should be able to make some plays on some of these things. Again, if the ball placement isn't quite where it needs to be. 100% agree. I 100% agree. I, I don't 
think Levis, even if he turns into a Pro Bowl player, is going to be a precise passer. I mean, it's a little bit of a sprayed around type of guy. Uh, he does have a big arm. He can make all the oh, throws. Oh, he can spin it, yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of those throws he made were off his back foot. You know, not everyone can get the ball to where he put it some, in some of these games. But they're in some of these you know, completions yet last week. But you're right. I mean, if they're going to throw a ton, like a quarter of their passes behind the line of scrimmage, and they don't get a, a nice ball there, that, that really makes things tough, especially on like a Derrick Henry. If he stops his feet, he's not going to juke you out of your shoes. Right. That's just not his game at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyways, we're going to get to another break. He is the Matt Williamson. I am Dale Lolly. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. Matt, I know it's Wednesday, and we usually go around the league to look at all the injury stuff. Yeah. But I think we, because the Steelers play on Thursday night, we got to switch it up a little bit here for the fantasy football focus. Let's do a single game lineup on drafts. Wow. Okay. Using the uh, the captain's chair and all that good stuff and see if we can yeah, that's uh, fun. see if we can do something with that here. Uh, we'll do that when we return right after this on the drive. <laughs> 